all aboard the love train into Merry March Madness. If you're tuned in live and we are making love through the March Madness. And we are me, Dr. Susie, and Captain Max. Hello. Hi, Dr. Susie. Welcome aboard. Yes, welcome aboard and choo-choo train. The love train, which is actually a peace train. And the choo-choo train. train. And we're making love through the March Madness. And I just discovered that that term is very much connected with basketball, which... What's that term? Isn't what I had in mind. Uh, March Madness and something called the Big Dance, which is a little more in the feeling that I like. And the question is, will this be a descent into destructive, murderous March Madness and mayhem and unfair censorship? Yo, YouTube! Or the merry kind of madness, right? You know the merry kind of madness. You're very much into that. You were into that this morning when you woke up in the middle of the night and we started kissing and you were talking about uh, your dreams. Yes, because I woke up laughing like a hyena. Yes, (laughs) laughing. (laughs) I couldn't stop laughing because, and then I would go back to sleep and then I saw the funniest thing again and then I would start laughing out loud. And then there was a little huggling, kissing, huggling, kissing, touching, 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 consensual, consensual, very consensual, very consensual, yes. yes. And a little testing of the waters to make sure it was consensual. Right, testing of the waters. There's always testing of the waters. First you test. Yes, and then you make love through the madness. Maybe a little tap on the shoes. The shoes. Oh. <laughs> in bed? No, not in bed. The toes, the little the toes. Tonies, yes, the, little, the toes. The girlies. The toes are often a good entryway those into are my, those are my little the peeps. heart. Mm-hmm. The way to many a woman's heart is through her feet. A good foot rub. Not just sucking on the toes and playing foot fetish games, but a good healing foot massage brings upon the merry kind of madness. Joyous, ecstatic, revolutionary, mm, pressure point. Pressing, yes, delightful. Mm. Anyway, it's also Women's Month, if you're tuned in live. Yes. Coming up on Women's Day. And yesterday was International Sex Workers Day. Yes. And it's also almost Purim, which is the Jewish festival of Queen Esther. And these rather different holidays actually have a lot in common. That's right. I mean, it's true, men and trans people, all kinds of people make up a lot of the sex worker population, but the majority of sex workers are women and some trans women and just all kinds of women. And the Jewish Mardi Gras, the festival of Purim, honors Queen Esther, who is both a woman and she's the only central female character in a Jewish holiday story, really. Not the only central female character in the Bible, but in a holiday story. And this is my interpretation, of course, my midrash, as they say. She is a sex worker, right? 
Queen Esther. Mm, yeah, sort of, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely, yeah. I say definitely. Yeah. So, speaking of the Jews, we're going to get into the story of Queen Esther a little later once I you know, <laughs> get into the mood. Okay. But the Jews, it's good to see the Israelis out in the street protesting their right-wing government. And it's mostly Netanyahu corruption and the loss of their rights to the right wing, which is terrible. And there are women in Handmaid's Tale garb just walking through the streets, very eerie. And there is a contingent that is pro-Palestinian. Solidarity with Huara, the Palestinian town that was attacked by Zionist settlers and encouraged by right-wing people in the government. And some of the Jews are carrying signs that say, Palestinian lives matter. So it's scary. There's fires and there's beatings. Hey, these Israeli police are as bad as the American police. I think they take lessons from each other. Probably, yes, yes. They're always saying the American cops get tactics from the Israeli well, more the Israeli army, but I think the cops are getting tactics from our cops, and they're terrible. Beatings going on, and it's scary, but it's good to see the Israelis revolting against their revolting government, and perhaps against Zionism itself. We shall see. But I'm going to tell you about the holiday of Purim. And Chumintoshin. Remember Chumintoshin? Yeah, yeah. Do I remember Chumintoshin? I call them pussy cookies. Yes. Because they, I feel, honor that great royal sex worker, heroine, Queen Esther, who saves her people from genocide with her weapons of mass seduction. That's right. So we always tell the story, and we often act out the story here in Bonoboville. We have done many Purim Spiel, erotic, comedia performances. Great stuff. You can find it, actually, for free on, uh, uh, on our site in uh, drsusanblock.tv. They're all on drsusanblock.tv, and a lot of them are on drsusanblock.com. Right. Some of them used to be on YouTube in a censored format, but it wasn't censored enough for YouTube. And we're not exactly sure what was the matter, but we have been terminated. As those of you who know us know, it is a most unfair and unjust termination, and we don't even know why we're really terminated, but we are. And I have a theory, though, now, um, because I found out today about something interesting, that the last show that we did before we were terminated on YouTube was our show called Cop Orgies and Toxic Royalty. And so it was about this Tennessee police force in which a lot of the police officers were having sex. And, yeah, the news was all over the mainstream media and we talked about it too and this gal officer Megan Hill at the time was the gal in the middle of it all and I didn't know that she now says it was non-consensual now at the time she's smiling in her orgy pictures 
She didn't say that she didn't like it. She seems to have done it many times. I'm not going to say that she's wrong. I mean, it's terrible if it indeed was non-consensual. And, of course, those police officers who I think were fired and they should be charged and the whole police department should be sued and she is suing the police department but I'm just wondering since that was the last show we did before we got terminated did YouTube consider our discussion of this very mainstream news story I mean it's all over the news did they consider that to be harassment of these police officers or maybe because the show was called Cop Orgies and Toxic Royalty, it was the royal family that complained that we harassed them. I don't know. Yeah, no. They're all public figures, and they're all in the news, so in a way it makes no sense, but I'm just wondering if that has something to do with the bots thinking that we were somehow calling somebody out. In any case, it just proves these bots our artificial ignorance AI is not artificial intelligence at all so it's maddening very very disturbing uh, because we don't really know why we have been terminated but well we have been so here we are trying to make love through the March madness and yeah, it's Women's Month. And I guess the woman of the month, one of them anyway, for me, is Erin Brockovich. Because she went out there to East Palestine, or as we sometimes like to say, East Palestine, <laughs> Ohio. I don't mean to laugh at their situation. It is terrible. I'm laughing at myself for pronouncing it different ways. But in case you have been under a rock, the small town, village really, that has been poisoned by Norfolk, uh, am I pronouncing that correctly? Southern Railway, when they had this big accident uh, a few weeks ago. And they all said at first, the air is fine, the water's fine, everything's fine. Now they're saying, well, we have to do tests. Well, how'd you know it was fine? You didn't do tests before? Well, apparently those tests were not the important tests that they now are doing. So in the meantime, Erin Brockovich comes to East Palestine. And we know who she is because she uh, spilled some beans. She was a whistleblower for a power plant. And she helped the people of that area to get some legal relief even though they were poisoned too. And she's an activist. And by the way, I have a special place in my heart for her because I was called the Erin Brockovich of the Bonobo by Salon Magazine. Thank you, Deirdre Guthrie. That's a big compliment. So I have a special fondness for her. Always have. And we are on the love train here. So we have special sensitivity to train trouble. Right, Captain Max? That's correct, right. <laughs> so she's there to challenge the railroad system that poisoned the town. 
and the Ohio police now claim that she might be a special interest terrorist. <laughs> so there's more criminalizing and censoring and terminating of free speech right there. And judging. And judging. Especially sexy lefty free speech because Erin is both. She's a lefty, she's a whistleblower, mostly for leftist causes, for ecology, the environment. And she's very sexy. She's always been very sexy. Maybe that's one reason I was called the Aaron Brockovich of the Bonobo, one of my bigger compliments. So we're rooting for her, and we always like to call out women during Women's Month, which is never long enough. It's kind of silly to have one month for women, considering we're more than half the population. <laughs> but here we are celebrating Women's Month, and pour them with pussy cookies. I'm gonna tell you the story in a little while. And we are, well, getting ready for St. Patty's Day, okay. And Sex Workers Day was just the other day, yesterday. So we're celebrating that because I feel holidays always last a few days. I see all kinds of cool comments. It's important to recognize sex workers. That's right. What is a pussy? Adriana cookie? says, Bert asks, what is a pussy cookie? And I'm going to tell you that in a moment. Persia says, love you, Dr. Susan. Lady on. Yeah. That's right. Some people like to lord it all over you. I and lady on. Adriana, I wish I could have seen a live performance of Purim. Yes, we did some incredible performances. Once you hear the story, you will understand that there are a lot of opportunities for erotic scenes in the Purim story. And it is right in your Bible, by the way. Did I mention that? It's right in the Bible, right between Jehemiah and Job, I think. It's right there. It's the sexiest book in the Bible, other than the Song of Songs. And if you get into the New Testament, I guess Mary Magdalene doing Jesus' feet with her hair is kind of sexy, right? <laughs> Mary Magdalene in general is kind of sexy. They say she wasn't really a sex worker, but she really has a special relationship with Jesus that I love. I don't know how to love him. That's from Jesus Christ Superstar. Remember that? I, I do remember that. I love that musical. So, Walrus Hong says, you can never trust the government or corporations when it concerns the environment versus profit. This is very unfortunate, but true. Well, certainly unfortunate about the government. The corporations, I understand, they are making a profit off of poisoning us. Let's be frank. That's what they're doing. And yet, the government is supposed to represent us. So, please, do that, Gov. Anyway... We are here to represent your sexy lefty feelings. But on the other hand, we know you have feelings that we can't even articulate. So if you'd like to put yourself into the caller area, please do. And if you want to talk about something related to the subject matter, that would be great. And we are sometimes open to you talking about other things because 
we're kind of new to call in. When we were on 100 stations, we could be very strict right. and say, you must talk about what we're talking about. But we're kind of easy now. And speaking of Women's Day, let's see, I have some quotes from Susan's. Did you know there's a lot of people named Susan? It's a very common name. Most of them are women. And so Susan B. Anthony, ah, yes. one of the founders of feminism, although a little conservative for my taste in many ways, but she was one of the key people that got the vote for women. And she says a good thing here. I distrust those people who know so well what God wants them to do because I notice it always coincides with their own desires. And this goes along with something I've been saying lately. I don't think people really have beliefs. I think they have desires. And then they kind of craft beliefs or they borrow beliefs from religions that go with their desires. Or I guess if they were brought up with that religion, then their desires go along with their beliefs. But desire and belief definitely go together. I mean, if you're talking about what you really believe deep down inside, not what you pretend. There's a lot of pretending going on these days. A lot of hypocrisy, especially from religious people, but from everybody. And it's partly because our society makes so many things wrong. And that's true of the right and the left. I have been feeling some sympathy with the right, actually. Not for most of their politics, but for their rage at the censorship, because I feel it too, and it is unfair. I think the right wing is wrong when they say that mostly right wing speech is being censored. I think mostly left wing speech is being censored, but too many left wing people just roll over and take it. And I could be one of those people rolling over and taking it. I understand the passivity but we shouldn't roll over and take it. We should get out there and fight, not with guns and not with fists either, unless it's self-defense, but fight with our words and some of our gestures and our theater. And our stories. For freedom and for peace. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. Yeah. And I think that some of our other co, co-workers, co-something or other, like Joe Rogan and some of those people who are much richer than we are because we're kind of poor, should step up to the plate. Yeah. Well, you were saying that the other day when I was talking about Joe Rogan, talking about how he's been censored and how he self-censors because of YouTube and he hates that. Yeah, so stand up, put up some of the money on the table, you know, and let's fight them. I'll even contribute. I think I have five or six dollars somewhere in my wallet. Right. <laughs> well, we contribute a few dollars to causes. We contribute to free speech. We can uh, free speech, ACLU, uh, bonobos, the, the bonobo initiative. Always should contribute some of your hard-earned cash. Right. And you know what? I think that middle class and even the poorer class does more charity than the rich. Yeah, the rich only does charity to its own organizations or to very fancy organizations like art museums. You know, no matter how poor you are, uh, uh, well, not maybe not everybody, but we can all contribute to these 
to this work of uh, liberating ourselves uh, from what I now call the company store, um, where everything is in the hands of corporations, your food, your travel, your you think about it, you got to go to the company store. Right. Okay. You go to a mall now. It used to be exciting to go to malls in different little areas. Now it's all the same stuff. Well, you know what? I was looking for Hobbentaschen to get uh-huh. tonight, the pussy cookies. Right. And, oh, I mean, maybe, I don't know what this has to do with, but all the Jewish bakeries around here are closed now. Mm. And they're all little mom and pop shops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're closed. Mm. And they were a bunch of them before. Mm. But now they're gone. I guess after the pandemic, they closed. A lot of small businesses are closing. It is becoming a company store. Just oh, yeah. neighborhoods are becoming that. Company stores. It's really disturbing. It's so I, I think about this many, bad. Like they used to say Levittown was what people had in the 50s and 60s. But now it's much more uniform. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, if you wanted to buy the Humantashen, you've got to go to the to Beverly Hills or somewhere, right. you know, yeah. over there near uh, Fairfax. Fairfax, you yeah. know, and, and figure, you know. But there used to be it. one or two yeah, places yeah. out here that you could go. Oh, right. One or two. There's one or two Jews out here. Well, that's true. And <laughs> we need those humantashen. Come for them. And we never prepare for poor them. Come on. We don't know when it is. I'm looking on the internet. I go, whoa, suddenly, oh, it's poor them. Okay. Where's the humantashen? Well, I got to just fantasize about it because you can't get it right now yeah maybe Gideon will make some later in the week he makes great homemade pussy cookies Mm -hmm. oh yeah oh yeah they're really good they're better homemade really the ones that you get in the store are terrible actually they're all dry although the cherry filling is nice and I don't mean that in a sexual way although maybe I do don't freak anybody out I want to freak everybody out (laughs) I certainly freaked out YouTube. And look who's here, Brady. I was just on his show. I heard. Yeah, boy. I was out of the room. Did I get in trouble? I guess so. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, Anyway. Hi, Brady. Hi, Brady. Welcome back to FDR. Uh, Yeah, Maxwell, he was a warrior for sexual liberation and freedom. Maximilian, that is, not Maxwell. (laughs) Oh, Maximilian, yes, 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 yes. And uh, he he took some shots on the battlefield. Ah, <laughs> so he well, some extra love tonight. that's what you got to do. <laughs> that's what you got to do. Sometimes. And if it's words, we're okay with that. Yeah, well, words are fine. That's okay. That's yeah. how you learn and grow. Yeah, it was a great conversation, actually. I appreciate I appreciate him coming in. It was great. Um, Good. And my question is, what are pussy cookies? And then <laughs> okay. I have two follow-up questions. We have had that question from a few people now and so I will explain the holiday of Purim I'm sure you don't really know what that is am I correct Brady vaguely vaguely okay so let me explain in a coconut shell now this is of course coming from my sexy lefty perspective or as we say in the Hebrew school uh, my midrash And so I believe that Purim honors that great royal sex worker, heroine, Queen Esther, who saves her people from genocide with her weapons of 
mass seduction. That is, Esther stups for peace. Right. Now that's a Jewish word there. Stups meaning Norfolk Southern. Right. Norfolk Southern Railroad for peace. We should make a warning here. This is not your Bubby's Purim. Queen Esther, in my Midrash, is the ancient biblical heroine who stops a genocide. In this case, it's the genocide of the Jews. But I think she gives a lesson to a lot of different types of people that might want to stop a genocide with her weapons of mass seduction, meaning her body, her mind, and her soul. All of it. And she uses her pussy cookie. And her pussy cookie. The pussy cookie is important. Part of her body, mind, and soul. So as described in the Bible, Esther is brought before the Persian king Ahasuerus, who's probably based on the historic king Xerxes by her cousin Mordecai. I call him her pimpin' cousin Mordecai. Because, yeah, the Bible says he's a righteous man, but he virtually pips out his beautiful and charming young cousin to this lecherous, alcoholic, and volatile king. Talk about trafficking. Yeah, really. This is trafficking. And it's considered great. It's heroic. It's heroic. And I'm not judging. I'm not one of the judges here. I'm just saying it certainly is what we might consider trafficking now. He's much older than her. She's very young. I'm not sure how young. And this king is pretty horrific. But he is the king. And they get a payment at the end. It's a payoff, really. So the tall tale unfolds and through alternate teasing and pleasing the king, Esther, who also might be based on a real historic Persian Jewish queen that might have really existed. Well, she wins the fickle favor of this drunken king by being very sexy and clever and uh, dancing and making banquets and beautiful things and uh, seducing the king in various ways. And she gets her reward when her potentate, who has a long phallic scepter that he uses to grant her life and she touches the scepter it's very sexy very phallic he grants her request to save her people from annihilation and this is in a time when power was almost always gained through brute force and cold gold a time very much like our own and it was and still is a human miracle and what i feel is very very bonobo-esque and in a way esther makes peace through pleasure in the form of elaborate high-end because she's working in a royal palace high-risk sex work that's right she is his wife but only one of many wives but she becomes the best wife She's a sex worker. Some wives are. And, of course, the pleasure she provides is the erotic entertainment for the king. The peace is the salvation of her people that she cleverly ensures from her royal John. And so we celebrate this holiday. And on this holiday, we eat 
these Homentaschen, that's the Yiddish name. And these are triangular pastries with filling that I learned in Sunday school. I learned that they were shaped like the villain, the king's advisor, basically. He's like the Hitler of the story. And he draws up the Jewish genocide plan. And his name is Haman. So they're called Hamantaschen, Hamantaschen. And they're supposed to be in the shape of his hat, which is this triangular kind of pirate shape. Yeah, I'm a hat fetishist, so I kind of like it. But I still always thought that it was a rather kind of silly and pat explanation for this cookie that was so important to eat for everybody. And then a few years ago, one Purim, this is after I'd already started celebrating the story in an erotic way because it's an erotic story. You know, she seduces him, she wins her freedom and the freedom of her people. It's very sexy. Lots of drinking, Manischewitz, so it's great to celebrate with the party of people. And so we're eating the Hamantaschen, cherry-filled. And there's a lot of sex going on at this Purim Bacchanal. And I had an epiphany. I took the Hamantaschen, triangular shape, and I put it between the legs of the lady whose beautiful pussy I was going down on in between bites of Hamantaschen and sips of Manischewitz, well, maybe gulps of Manischewitz. And I saw that the Hamantaschen, or the Hamantasch, if you want to be singular, is really shaped like a pussy, like an open vulva, complete with a jelly-filled vagina hole in the middle. And very sweet. <laughs> very sweet. Well, yes. When you go down on a Hamantaschen cookie, <laughs> it's so good. And so this is why I call them pussy cookies. <laughs> also, hardly anybody besides traditional Jews and maybe a few Germans can pronounce the word Hummentaschen. <laughs> and this is why all the people at the delis I was calling, these Mexican delis, these Chinese delis, these wonderful delis are going, Hummel what? <laughs> and they couldn't pronounce it. So. I didn't want to say pussy cookies because talk about censorship. I could get in trouble for that. You could get arrested for public obscenity. But I do believe that these iconic Purim pastries honor the power of the pussy. That's right. This is the only Jewish holiday that has a woman at the center. And it celebrates her triumph the triumph of Queen Esther, and in a violent, patriarchal world that more often exhibits contempt for that which is feminine and soft, these pussy cookies symbolize love and respect for strong female power. And that's why I love them. Peace through pleasure, eat a pussy cookie. And let's talk to Shardal. Brady's still there. I want to hear what you think That's of the cool. pussy cookies, but Chardal is new, and I have this thing about novelty. It's an aphrodisiac. Hi, Chardal. Hi, Susan. How are you doing? I'm doing good, considering. Considering. So what are your thoughts? Do you think belly dancers are considered uh, sex workers? Do we consider what sex workers? Uh, belly dancers, you know, like they, um, they're, um, they dance 
supermen. Right, right. Well, would you consider would you consider them to be considered as that? Like, would you categorize them in that? Okay, so there are different kinds of belly dance, just like there's different kinds of drag. If it's belly dance in a sexual way, and I know there's a gray area there, but if it's topless belly dancing, if it's belly dancing for adults only, where you're rubbing up against people, I think it is sex work. And I think it's great. And I think it's legal sex work, I guess. Most places, you know, restaurants have it. Some of them, when they have this very kind of erotic belly dance, it's for adults only. Now there's another kind of belly dance that is completely clothed and that lots of people do, men, women, all kinds of people, and kids do it for exercise. And it's not sex work, come on. It's like yoga, except it's shaken and shimmying, and you're shaking your butt. I don't think there's anything wrong with any of it, but since you're asking for a little bit of differentiation, I will say similar to drag, where you can dress up and drag and be in a Shakespeare play, or you can dress up and drag and be a sex worker. Similarly, you can be a belly dancer and be family oriented, or you can be a belly dancer and be a sex worker. When you get um, belly dancers, um, their, their main job is to entertain men, you know, provide entertainment for men. That's what Honestly, what no. I'm not sure if you're talking about the Middle East where maybe that's true, but here in America, there are so many middle-aged, middle-class women that are going to belly dance classes and they're not doing it to entertain men. Oh, maybe they do at home. They're doing it to have fun and to lose weight or get muscle or move their body. Although in the tradition, yes, I think that is true, that it is a tradition of sex work and harems that created belly dance Although belly dance comes from an even older tradition that just is dance, that is spiritual, that is in celebration of life. I mean, like when you watch movies and, on, on, and films, they normally, uh, you know, make it seem like, you know, you know, they're putting on an entertainment for men. Like films always make it seem like it's a big deal, like they're doing this, but... I don't know why movies make it such, like, you know, make it so big and kind of, like, explode it such in a big way. Because, number one, movies are simplistic in general. And that's because they're trying to give a full experience in an hour or two. And so they stereotype quite often. That's what movies often do. Although I'd be surprised if there haven't been some movies out there in the movie world that feature a belly dance class, just like a yoga class of, like I say, just sort of middle-aged, middle-class women working out and putting on Persian music or Middle Eastern and wiggling their hips, maybe wearing some bangles. And it isn't all about sex work, although, yeah, there's a tradition of that. But as I said, that's a certain tradition that has a place in history, a long and colorful place. But even before that, there were women and men who belly danced for spiritual reasons. You could say spiritual, sexual reasons, perhaps for the fertility of the land. People would belly dance, people still do, in 
tribes that are kind of cut off from messed up civilization and the capital Ocene. None of them are completely cut off, but some of them have maintained traditions. And it's interesting that some of their tribal dances are very similar to belly dance and could be considered erotic if you're doing it with one person well, in front uh, of you. It was erotic for me the first time I saw it. Belly it, dancing? Yeah, and I was a little kid. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, when you were a little kid, that was the 50s. And yeah, that was... At that time, yeah, belly dance was pretty much in that category that Chardal is saying. Right. It was in that exactly. area of, yes, these are women performing for the pleasure of men. But... Nothing but, wrong with that, by the way, though it is a little sexist. But those belly dancers have encouraged other women to, yeah. f- to forfeit all that clothing and show their bellies. Right. These are teachers also. I think that Esther must have been a great belly dancer. She was in a harem, after all. That's in the Bible, that Esther is perfumed and prepared for six months in a harem by women and eunuchs who are the biblical trans people. Don't get offended. Nobody get offended. But they called them eunuchs back then. Cool out. And it wasn't consensual very often, the sex change. But in any case, they had them in the harem because the kings were all jealous and they wanted their wives to be taken care of by guys that couldn't have sex with them. Although the eunuchs could and did have sex with them because sex isn't all about penises. So they did have sex and they belly danced and they did it for each other as well as for the kings. Some of them had marble penises that they made. And then there's that. Those dildos. Those dildos. Yeah. Yeah. I really like going, going to like restaurants that have belly dancers, you know, nightly. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. Me too. Me and I too. really like to go there because I like to eat my, my meal and then I like to see a belly dancer dance in front of me. It's truly an experience that nobody is really, some people don't really like to see it. Are you in L.A.? No, I'm in Fremont. I'm in Fremont. I'm not in the L.A. area. Oh, okay. But uh, what's the best belly dance place in Fremont? Or L.A.? I don't know. But, but um, I bet you can find a lot of belly dance where, you know, restaurants in San Francisco because, um, I know they have a lot of like you know clubs over there and a lot of you know party places over there to ha- just have a good time. And these belly dancers, it's all consensual, right? There's no trafficking. <laughs> well, <laughs> you never know. Restaurant workers, I'm sure oh, there's yeah, trafficking right? among restaurant yeah, but workers. These are so. the belly dancers. There's trafficking in every type of profession because they're always in need of workers. It's unfortunate. It's bad to make people do any kind of work they don't want to do. So I'm sure there's trafficked belly dancers, but most of them seem to enjoy it, and it is a skill. It's not something you just spread your legs and show your pussy cookie. You have to know how to move your hips, and especially in the shoulders, I think. There's a lot of isolation of body parts, and it is very spiritual. You look into the eyes of people. You're not supposed to be like one of these strippers that looks up at the ceiling. You're supposed to make eye contact and be intimate and there's a certain joyousness that is very exciting and I totally understand yeah you want some good food and some drinks and hey why not a dancer I think it's great I mean for me I really um you know I'm, I really like going to belly dancing shows I, I really like I really am entertained by it that's clear um, 
All right, you said that already. Is that your fetish? And and uh, I like the their, the clothes that the dancers wear very scantily clad. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. That, I'm really I really uh, like that. Do you like scantily clad really better than nudity? Some guys do. Do. I like scantily clad. I mean, it's just whatever I prefer. Like yeah. sometimes no, I prefer I no clothes, and sometimes I prefer with clothes. It's just you know, I'm an, I'm I a man, it. and I it's just good to like for like I really like what I, I, I really like some variety in, in, in what I like to see. Are you a student or do you work? Um, uh, you know, I, I work, but right now I'm currently not working right now. I'm just at home. All right. You're one of those multitudes of people that are not working and more power to you. I hope you can get by. Okay. Especially because you got to tip those belly dancers. They're working hard. A lot of people aren't working and we understand because yeah, the minimum wage is still at what, like, under eight dollars an hour, some ridiculous thing. Oh yeah, the restaurant workers. I'm yeah. really fascinated with belly dancing because, you know, now male guys, now now male, you know, gentlemen are also doing it. Yes. So it's kind of like it's, it's a it's, it's a female the females do it. Now you're seeing the males do it, so you're kind of seeing like it's not just a female. So in these restaurants that you've gone to where belly dancers are performing, are there children there or is it just adults? I mean, some, I mean, I mean, sometimes, um, you know, it's a family, you know, it, there's like a lot of family there. Um, so like I said, it is a gray area. Certain kinds of belly dancers that are very sexy, maybe topless, and certain kinds that are family oriented. And I agree that they have family they, they have a distinguished because sometimes when you go to a restaurant, you want to have family-oriented dancing, you know, where the kids can watch and the kids are not going to be offended by anything they're seeing. And sometimes they just have, have an adult-only yeah. restaurant where no kids are allowed, just adults present. So you're, you're kind of an expert on it. Yeah, maybe you should get a job at one of these belly dance places. You should certainly, if you ever, you know, get a girlfriend, which I would hope you do, you should get one that likes belly dance, either to do it or watch it. I like both. So, girls do. It's not something that's for men only. I hate to break your bubble. And, and I really, and I'm really fascinated. I really love when all these belly dancers have rings on their stomach. That's something that okay. really, really <laughs> right, Now you gotta get your credit right. card out. <laughs> yeah, right, okay, rings in the stomach. Yeah. Adriana says, yes, I have a belly. I wanna learn how to belly dance. <laughs> it's something a lot of women enjoy. Anyway, we've enjoyed talking with you, Chardal, yeah. but we're you gonna move care. on. And let us know if you can recommend any belly dance places. I'll put some of those in the chat and then you okay. can refer to those later. Oh, awesome, thank you. And I hope you join us again. Um, I really love joining your show, uh, Dr. Susan. I mean, you you do have a lot of knowledge on what you talked about, and you, you want to share that with others, which is kind of a wonderful thing. Thank you. Yeah, and is. way to go to get some extra time. That was smart. And, and, I, and, and I would love to come in here because... Um, you know, I, I'm, an, I'm an adult, and I don't feel un I don't feel uncomfortable coming in here and talking whichever thing. Oh, no, oh okay, no, 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 coming in and talking. You also yeah. could come if you want. Nobody yeah. would mind. Mine. It would be come. fine. That's and fine. you're by yourself. It's not like we see you. So if you want to do that, that's fine too. Anyway, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. And K Dot, he's into this Esther story. He's given me a hard time about a few things. Oh yeah, yeah circumcision, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I understand. That's probably because he got circumcised. Well, of course, of right. course, circumcised guys often do defend themselves as I expect. I'm not going to say they should, we, but... We also defend ourselves. We understand. Yeah. And I'm a woman. I'm not 
in either of those places. I certainly wouldn't want to have female circumcision it's, done to it's me. It's hard when you're in the army and you got to take a pee and there's a bunch of guys that are peeing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And most and of them are circumcised, and you're not. And they you're go, not. what do you got hanging there? <laughs> right. I go, right. what is that? <laughs> no, I remember the first time I saw an uncircumcised one. I went, what is wrong with you? And then he proceeded to give me a lesson and how this is natural. And I went, whoa, what a revelation. All these revelations. That was even more of a revelation than the pussy cookies, let me tell you. But pussy cookie was a revelation. I really believe it. And since then, I think I've seen some things on the Internet about people saying that Purim, yes, is like a female fertility holiday. Anyway, Hadassah was her name, and Kedot is right about that. Hadassah is her Hebrew name, and Esther was given to her in her sex work <laughs> position. Well, it was the Persian name, right. Okay. Then her then captors, they weren't her captors. Hey, Kedot, the king throws a beauty contest because he gets rid of his other wife. He doesn't like her. It's terrible how he gets rid of her. You don't even know what he does. Some interpretations say he has her killed but she could be banished. Uh, that's Vashti. She's the one with fire. She doesn't want to go out there and strip and dance naked. She doesn't want to belly dance for the king and his drunken friends, which is why I believe that Esther probably did belly dance, even though that's not technically in the story. That's my interpretation. I believe that she did because after all, he banished or executed Vashti. He got rid of her because she wouldn't do that. She wouldn't appear before his friends, the princes. So anyway, what is in the Bible, what's in the story, is that the king throws this sort of beauty contest for people to bring the most beautiful females. I would bring you. Oh, thanks. Oh, but then you're saying. supposed to go with the king. Oh, no, 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 no. So no, Mordecai I, brings Esther, Hadassah, that's why I call him Pimping Cousin Mordecai. Okay, I hear somebody talking. It sounds like someone speaking. Is still there? Is that Brady? Hi, oh, Brady. hi, Brady. Yeah, I have two more pussy cookie related questions. <laughs> <laughs> this is the yeah, night of pussy cookies. They're really good ones. I think y'all might like this. So, okay. um, the first one is what do you know about the myth of red wings? And the second question is what do you know about? Uh, blood sugar sex magic like the red hot chili peppers myth of red wings there's no myth red wings is when you go down on a woman who's on her period it's not a myth it's a sex act maybe it's a myth to people who won't do it but who fetishize it in their mind because they won't do it because people are afraid of blood no the mythical aspect is that a man actually gains like some kind of special powers when he does it They're, well like, of course that's, that's true also yeah Power to overcome. You get all kinds of power when you go down on a woman, regardless of what time of month it is. But when you go down on her during her <clears throat> period, period, you can say period, yeah, like say exclamation that. point. Like the bots don't know about that. Menstruation. Menstruation. That's a little harder to pronounce. Right. They might okay. not know that word. Yeah. Me and Biden might have trouble with that word. <laughs> Menstruation. That time of month has a special power. And of course, native peoples of many, many different cultures have thought this. And this is one of the reasons that it is forbidden in many cultures. And it is hard to put a scientific finger on it. And that's why you hear the term myth. And I get it. 
but it is true that people do it. Lovers of women do it. And it is true that you come out of it with sort of red wings on your face. You got side red. And it's also true that you feel a certain power. It's psychological and it is physical. You are licking up those pussy cookie juices and you are ingesting blood. And I am not here to recommend the ingesting of blood that comes out of a person in any other way. But I guess this is such a natural way. Nobody's hurting anybody. Well, and in fact, oftentimes when you are on your period, you are in pain. And when somebody goes down on you and gives you a good orgasm, it's a painkiller. So it is magical. Wow. It is amazing what an orgasm can do. Yeah. Red wings are amazing. They work as good as a painkiller for the woman. Yeah. To be clear, there's no real scientific uh, basis for... No, that is scientific, kind of actually. That part. <laughs> that part well, is nothing, scientific. Nothing superhuman or nothing, nothing abnormal. Or well, nothing, it's not uh, superhuman. It's human. Nothing is superhuman yes. that humans can do. If we're human, we're doing it. And then it's not superhuman. A That's a comic thing. book. <laughs> Hey, we do it in I, our I fantasies. Think, I think there might be some, some real science to the next one, which is the blood sugar sex magic. Do y'all know anything about that? What is this, diabetic? This is a title for the Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Oh, album right, right. That's where I've heard that. It always fascinated me. I had no idea what it, what they were talking about. And then one day I met this guy, and he mentioned oh. that there's a sex magic involving blood sugar where you starve yourself of sugar and then like I think while you're in the process or right before the process of having sex you ingest a bunch of sugar okay there you have it that sounds okay all kinds of ways to get high and that doesn't sound too bad so okay (laughs) I'll try that one time yeah yeah I don't eat a lot of sugar and I mean I do sometimes what are you doing tonight huh and certainly sugar is an aphrodisiac or it's a sex replacement more often though people eat sugar things because they're not having sex more often Uh, that's like when that that, uh, we were on that train with those smokers oh and they were eating sugar because they're not smoking right and they had this uh, organization teaching people how to stop smoking and they couldn't stop eating chocolate. The whole train ride. Right. You want some chocolate? No, I need to go smoke a cigarette. In the studio, I got the cover of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, I remember Blood. that cover. Yeah, so. Well, that's a beautiful cover. In the studio, I got that on the screen right now. Right. It's a nice graphic. Very, very It's nice. got red roses and tongues. It does look like somebody's going down on somebody. There's tongues uh, is, uh, yeah. and roses. It's and like flower. a 69 times 69 times 69. It's like a whole. Because right, right the flower that's... is another symbol yeah. of the female genitals. Right there. That's a cookie. That's the cookie. Right. That's like the right pussy there, cookie the right there. The one. rose. That is the cookie. And okay. it's like the cherry in the middle of the chumintash. Or chumintash. It's the same. We always love these representations of our genitals because our genitals are beautiful and we love them and yet they are censored. Don't we know that? <laughs> so K-Dot is continuing with his own Purim Midrash or you could say Purim Spiel. 
he says, ha ha ha, I'm not into the story. It's just synagogue stories from childhood. <laughs> no, I'm into the story, K-Dot, only part of it. Because the end of the story, when they stop the genocide of the Jewish people, what they do is they get permission to kill their killers. That's how they stop the genocide, is basically they get permission to fight in self-defense. So it's not totally terrible, but it's pretty terrible because right. there is a bloodbath. So self-defense is a lot better than attacking somebody. There's always degrees of badness, just like there's degrees of yeah. goodness. And if you're fighting in self-defense and you kill someone, hey, it's okay, but don't be proud of it. I always have a problem with celebrating that part. And for a long time, I ignored it. And honestly, I still kind of ignore it. I talk about the story and I kind of end before all the killing comes about. And yet that is an important part of the story. And yet all of these holidays, these friggin' Jewish holidays celebrate all this violence. It's terrible. It's just terrible. And of course, what does Christianity celebrate? Death on a cross. So there's a lot of celebration of violence, brothers and sisters. I celebrate pleasure myself. I try to handle the violence that is obviously part of reality, but honestly, I don't celebrate it. <laughs> K-Dot says, Hadassah isn't the reason people celebrate porn. I know, okay, I get it. It's just that it's become the reason. It's the feast of Queen Esther, and it is a female that we are celebrating. So it is the reason I celebrate Purim, and a lot of people I know, it's all about Esther. But yeah, okay, historically, he says, the failed massacre from the Persians is the reason for the celebration. Yes, they failed to do that. Her body and marriage was more of a sacrifice than something the Jewish community was proud of. I don't know about that. I remember in Hebrew school, all of us girls wanted to be Queen Esther in the play that we would do, and the parade, and the contest. I'm sure you did. And the king was not considered a bad guy. He was considered kind of a goofball. Pervert. Haman was the bad guy. Haman. The, the king at that time was, yeah, a bit of a pervert, but hey, I went to ha school Haman in the 70s. A, so. No, Haman wasn't a tra trafficker. Haman was, no, Haman no. was just a murderer. Just a murderer. He was ah, the gosh. baddest of the bad guys, but he didn't oh, get to do God. anything. And he wanted everybody to bow down to him. He was full of himself. He was terrible. And they said that the, the pussy cookies, they said that's his hat. And I thought, why would I want to eat his hat? Like, that's disgusting. He's oh. a bad person. I don't want to eat his hat. I did anyway. There's hair in there. I like the idea of it being the symbol of the woman. See, K-Dot, I am a different kind of Jewess, obviously. But... I will say this to K-Dot and to everybody who's listening, Jewish and non-Jewish, there are different, very different types of Jews, even though there's not very many of us. And we all have one thing in common. We talk a lot, you almost all of us. You <laughs> sure do. <laughs> we have a lot to say, and anyway, it is good to see these Israelis out in the street and they are protesting this very right-wing government and the loss of their own rights. And that's 
a little selfish, but good. But they're also some of them, not all of them, expressing solidarity with Huwara, the Palestinian town that was attacked by these Zionist settlers just around the same time. And they're saying, oh, Huwara now, and then Israel next. And in a way, they're right. Because what they mean is, your fascist way of dealing with the Palestinians is coming to us now. It's not as bad now, but we see a pattern. It's like when we did the show called Cops and Bots, and we see how the bots punch us and hit us and hurt us and censor us and basically kill our channels and our work and our expression. And this is what the cops do in real life. Some of them, not all of them. We have friends that are cops. We love some cops. I'm not going to say we love some bots. No, we love some good <laughs> cops. We love good cops. Maybe there's a few good bots too. Yeah. But they are giving so much control to bots, so much control of our lives, brothers and sisters, of our sex lives, of our political lives, of our love lives, of our war lives. We're at war. Serious war. And that's because they make money off of it. Because they're all invested in all the war companies. Because that's what makes money. And we're at the end of the Capitalocene. It's collapsing, brothers and sisters. Don't you feel it? We all know it. That's the madness. That's the real March madness. And hopefully it won't end in March. But it is collapsing, kind of slowly, but kind of quicker than you might think. The certainly environment is collapsing quicker than a lot of us thought. The floods, the snow here in Southern California. I mean, it's interesting, it's fun, but it's weird. Very strange. The Antarctica is melting. All these glaciers are melting. So it is global warming that is creating the cold. Where's the moisture going? I don't know how that works. It goes up there, it gets really cold, and then... How's that work, Kato? It becomes really... <laughs> What's the Bible say? <laughs> hail. It becomes hail. It really comes down like... Bay 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 says Esther was prepared to pass the test. I guess he's referring to, or she is referring to, that time in the harem. That's the funny thing, is the Jews and the Muslims have so much in common, including circumcision. A lot of these Israelis, a lot of these Zionists, really were put up to it by America. Not all of them, of course, not all of them, but a lot of them are seen as this front line, kind of like, in a way, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but in a way, Ukraine is like that. And Israel is America's stooge out there fighting against people America's afraid of. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for hosting these shows every weekend. I always look forward to it. You guys are the best. I love you all a ton. And keep up the good work. Thank you for answering my questions. Hey, thank you, Brady. We really always love to talk to you. Love so you, you take care and dream a little dream on us. Dream about pussy cookies. Inevitably, will do. Maybe one day I'll earn my Red Wings one of these days. Oh, yeah, and the Red Wings. Well, start with your cherry pussy cookie. 
Yeah, girls will be like, no, I'm on my period. And I'm like, I don't care. You know, <laughs> I do respect. A lot of times we girls, we say, no, I'm on my period because we are brought up to think that we're not supposed to have sex when we're on our period. Correct. And yet, there's no reason not to, except that, yeah, it, I guess, could spread bloody. a disease more quickly than no period. It is bloody, and some people don't like that. So it's a question of, as they say, taste. And that's really what it is. So anyway, you can dream about red wings. You can dream about pussy cookies. You can dream about being a sperm donor. We got a kick out of that conversation last week. Socialist Pizza says... Yeah. There is a video of Patrick Stewart explaining how he had an argument with his wife that he was circumcised and she was saying he wasn't. Patrick had to get his doctor to confirm he wasn't. Very interesting socialist pizza. I did not know that. But some men have bigger foreskins than others. And so maybe they don't see it. And maybe he had one of those penises that really hung lower than the edge of his foreskin. He might have. There are some like that. But mostly the foreskin hangs off like an elephant trunk. The guys that have masturbated a lot, a lot are the longest cappuccino. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. And the guys who haven't masturbated enough, their dicky is, is trying to get out. Their dick is going, well, how do I get out of here? How do I get somewhere? Anyway, there are different levels of how the foreskin looks. It's like a yeah. penis or like any other part of the body. There are different ways that it looks. So, I'm not totally shocked that he didn't know. Although, a little shocked. That is kind of strange. Socialist Pizza also says she's heard that I guess that's a she, right? Or he, I'm not sure. I've heard that called strawberry swirl. That being the red wings, right. I guess. Or maybe something to do with the sugar yeah, 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 and yeah. red hot chili peppers. The band? Is there a band like that's that? a band, yeah, yeah. That's the one that had the album cover with the roses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know, yeah. Yes, indeed, part like the Red Sea. That is a different holiday, Adriana, but it's true that the Red Sea comes up in the, well, in Passover, actually. But the Red Sea is not actually red, but here in the pussy cookie world, it is red. So Diablo Neruda says gotta bounce but appreciate the convo and brady says censorship leads to violence and people are saying thank you to the guys who do red wing favors who is saying this persia and socialist pizza says i don't mind eating someone out on their period though when it gets up your nose that's a bit much yeah that's a problem Right. But there are a lot of hazards. 
Well, that must be kind of a wide red sea <laughs> that you're getting your nose down in there and breathing it in. Okay, that's cool. You know, <laughs> snorting it, right? Yeah, that's a bit much. Okay, well, All in right. any case, that is the holiday food of Purim, the feast of Queen Esther. That, yes, just celebrates another one of these battles. There's so many battles that the Jews kind of half won or at least got to fight some self-defense or something like that. But it's kind of a boring reason for a battle. Hanukkah is another one of those, but we got the Maccabees to make it a little more exciting. Now, with Passover, they make it exciting because there's this slavery going on and you're building of the pyramids and that's all very exciting. Yeah, and probably the Jews had nothing to do with the building of the pyramids, but neither did the aliens. I just want to say that. No aliens built those pyramids. Human beings did that. You'd be amazed what human beings can do when we are untethered from computers and phones. We can build giant bricks and put them in place to create a pyramid. Not that we want to. I'm sure none of the people that were pushing those big bricks wanted to do that. And a lot of them got killed doing it. But they were made to do it and they did it and they could do it. And humans did it. And for better or for worse. This is the Anthropocene. We got no aliens to blame for this. This is what we did. And we descended from some creature that then broke off into common chimps who show us what we're like when we get mad, when we get jealous, the boys get together, the girls are all afraid. A lot of rape goes on, some murder, some war. That's the common chimps. And then there's the bonobos. We are equally close to the bonobos. The bonobos have never been seen killing each other in the wild or captivity. They empower the females who some say actually rule Bonoboville. I say MILFs rule Bonoboville. Or you could say cougars. Oh, those cougars. Bonobos, yeah. I know all about cougars. You know all about those. You had cougars before. I had. I had some wonderful, wonderful cougars in my life. Yes, indeed. So you see, the other side of female empowerment is male well-being, and that is very important to peace through pleasure in Bonoboville, and it would be in Humanville if we only go Bonobos. Okay, let's turn the capital O scene into the Bonobo scene. That's my fantasy. And let's talk to Marco. Marco. I, I'm social speaker, by the way, but um, I love that you're talking about bonobos because not a lot of people talk about them, and, and I'm sure you're aware of this, Susan, but for the audience, I just want to say that like um, humans, bonobos, and chimpanzees all have the same common ancestor. Yes, that that's was, what I was just saying, yes. Right, yeah, and, and that ancestor lived in the trees. Yes, and probably the in the trees. Went, and the ones who went to live on the ground became humans and bonobos, and the ones that stayed in the trees became chimpanzees were... No, no, no. The ones that stayed in the trees became bonobos. And the ones that went onto the ground became chimpanzees and humans. And part of our problem is we don't climb trees enough. Yeah. 
I used to climb trees all the time. Oh, I did the pine tree in front of my house. So Marco is socialist pizza. What pronouns do you like to use, Marco? Yeah, I'm, I'm agender, so I use they, them. You use they, them. Okay, so my confusion was perfect. Exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so great. Well, welcome to FDR. Welcome to the love train. And yes, we love bonobos. And I've been studying bonobos and getting to know a few bonobos down in the San Diego Zoo since 1993. And I wrote a book about them. And uh, yeah, we give some of our few hard-earned dollars to help save the bonobos from extinction. And I would just put out there that anybody who's interested in bonobos should look them up and help to save them if you got the cash. Lola Ya Bonobo, Friends of Bonobos, and Bonobo Conservation Initiative. All of those. So meantime, Marco, Socialist Pizza. Max, you love to make pizza. Make me a socialist pizza next. Uh, what is in a socialist pizza, Marco? I, I am going to go right after this with my chocolate high into the kitchen mm -hmm. and make you a meal, a fresh meal. But Anna's already making us a meal, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't have to do that tonight. <laughs> but maybe tomorrow you'll make me a socialist pizza. What's in it, Marco? Oh, you know, whatever the people want, I guess. Whatever the people want, of course. You know, it's got to be consensual. You know, you yes. got to consent to what's on the pizza before you make it, that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when did you discover bonobos? Oh, gosh, I guess I guess I learned about them in high school. Yeah, because I was learning about evolution and our common ancestors. Wow. Well, you're yeah. very fortunate. When I was in high school, we didn't learn anything about bonobos. I didn't even learn about them in college. I learned that man and woman and everybody was a violent, uh, murderous, killer ape. That that's what we were. That that's what we come from. That it was civilization that kept us somewhat peaceful. I thought we were naturally murderous. Then, yeah, I'm old, so after college, I discovered them in the 1990s, even though they had been discovered back in 1930. But I discovered them in the 1990s, and I realized, oh, love and pleasure and peace is more natural than we realize. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of that you know, humans lived horribly for their whole evolutionary um, past comes from, like, people like Hobbes, that book, right. Leviathan. Right. And I would really recommend another book called, it's kind of like, it was written as sort of the counter to the Leviathan. It's called The Dawn of Everything. Oh. And it's a book written by yeah. David Graeber, who's an anarchist anthropologist and David Wingrove. Who's an right. Anarchist. I read it. That's right. I get it confused oh, yeah, with course. Sex at Dawn by Chris Ryan because Sex at yeah. Dawn is one that I know a lot better. I've had him on my show like three times. But the other one, well, one of the guys that wrote it passed away, sadly. But it's called The Dawn of Everything. And it is very interesting how they show that violence and war is like a cultural choice from elites, really, the people don't want to make war. Oh, why would you want to go do that? 
mean, you want to make pizza. Yeah, I want to make pizza. <laughs> Socialist pizza. Have you don't want to go have make a glass, war. Glass of wine. What, what, what do you think of that expression where people say pizza's like sex? Even when it's not good, it's still good. I don't agree with it about pizza, and I also don't agree with it about sex, honestly. I don't think sex is always good. I don't think that it's true about sex or pizza. I think it's just somebody trying to say something cute. (laughs) But Marco, wow, you're an interesting person. Is this the first time you've dropped in on the show, or have you before? Yes, I've I've never seen the show. Yeah, I'm often not here on the weekend because I'm parenting. Probably why I have this. Oh, okay. But I'm not parenting today, so I have, have more time. So you have some kids, but you're divorced? Yeah, just one kid. Uh, we uh-huh. were never married. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're single. Are you looking or are you pretty happy just being single? I mean, I'm, I'm happy being single, but I mean, I'm, I'm also like polyamorous, so. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Being that makes it easier. Totally apply, yeah. <laughs> hey, everything sounds good. It sounds very good. Just trying to live that bonobo life. I believe in polyamory, and I, you know, kind of get into that kind of thing every once in a while. But I do have a husband. I've been married 30 years. And I love this quote since I'm quoting Susan's. Susan Sontag said, love is friendship on fire. But I think that could be true of polyamorous love, too. Love is friendship on fire, in a good way. It's like the good kind. Right, because otherwise it's ashes. Right, right, and burning things down. And yeah, I'm a little scared about the Israeli protest, but I'm rooting for it in the fire, you see. Oh, it's scary. But I'm rooting for change. you got to have change. Fire is about change. Right. Yeah, destruction is creation. Yeah, don't go there. Ooh. So, as long as I'm quoting Susan's, I got to quote a bad Susan. Susan Collins said, I believe him about Brett Kavanaugh, my fellow Yaley. Oh, that guy. She pretended to believe him and she sent American women's reproductive rights back 50 years. How about that? But I am kind of interested in Marianne Williamson as a woman. She doesn't have the name Susan, of course, so maybe that's helping her (laughs) it's kind of an awful name but uh, she's running for president she wants to return to the principles of FDR Uh, (laughs) she's probably not gonna win but she's kind of hot kind of sexy Marco socialist pizza what's your parting words for our love train oh gosh um, I don't know use lots of lube (laughs) Actually, we did talk about circumcision, and I will say that circumcised people, usually they're guys, but not always, they tend to need more lube than the uncircumcised, because the uncircumcised have kind of built-in lube. Yeah, right. Yeah, and they're very sensitive. That's why they have that Yeah, yeah, right, because you have the built-in liquid. Yeah. So females also have, we have our built-in liquid as well, or I should say people with vaginas. And yet, you know, as anybody gets older, you need more lube. It's true. We all need lube, especially if you 
are using condoms, use water-based lube. But if you're just by yourself I, or with someone that you know you trust and you can go bareback, use coconut oil. I love coconut oil. It smells good too. I'm gonna put it on my socialist pizza. <laughs> Universal pizza for all. I'm gonna make it with coconut oil because that's actually better for you than a lot of things. But anyway, we'll talk to you later, Marco, yeah. Socialist Thank Pizza. Yeah. I hope you join us again, uh, even though you're babysitting or whatever sitting you are doing. Uh, we would love to hear from you, more from you, and we'd love to hear from everyone. Next time, until then, be good, or as good as you could be. I mean, or you could be like Mae West. When I'm good, I'm very good, but when I'm bad, I'm better. Be happy, but if you're not happy, like, don't take it out on other people. Just deal with it. And, well, the pursuit of happiness. You should always be at least yeah. kind of trying somewhat if to be you, happy. If you don't have that, you've got nothing. Well. Yeah, well, you've got dead. I don't know. Some people aren't happy and they got something. You've got a copper. This is a very nice, by the way. Yeah, you're very happy because you just ate a chocolate. I we have to explain that. that. This is, is correct. some so socialist pizza chocolate. Make like bonobos, not baboons. Make love, not war. Make kink, not war. Make love to someone you love tonight, even if that someone is you. I love you. And you too. I'm gonna eat some pussy cookies. Go Need to talk with someone about something you can't talk about with anyone else? You can talk to us. I'm Dr. Susan Block, your mistress of the airwaves. But my day job is director of the Dr. Susan Block Institute for the Erotic Arts and Sciences, specializing in sex therapy over the phone. Anytime you need to talk, whether you need serious psychotherapy or a hot phone sex experience, or a combination. My world-renowned telephone sex therapists are just a phone call away. Totally private, absolutely confidential. We listen, talk with you, advise you, role-play for you, fantasize with you, no fantasy is too taboo, and help you with anything from impotence to exhibitionism, fears to desires, fetishes to marriages. For more information, call us at 213-291-9497. That's 213-291-9497 anytime you need to talk. You're listening to Radio Suzy One on the World Wide Web.